Good morning. Hello to anyone interested in troubled finances, there's hope. By the way, there's a book by this name, Troubled Finances, There's Hope, available on the website. Of course, www.troubledfinances.com. Why do I say troubled finances? Because many people have troubled finances in one form or another. Why? Why do they have troubled finances? Because the world has a plan for your money and my money, and that is to take it from you. So, to avoid the world taking your money from you, I, we, show you a better plan. And the good news is that plan is not my plan, it's God's plan. What? You mean God has a plan for your money and my money? Yes, and it's a much better plan than the world's. But before we go into God's plan, let's provide a real-life story about how one lady and her husband got into some trouble and how they can get out of it. Leading into this story is an interesting example of, of how one guy got into his own trouble. On April the 8th, 2008, I was to attend a business meeting in Gainesville, Georgia. As a district director for a Christian financial ministry, I was responsible for most of a five-state area. One of the benefits of the position was an airplane I needed, really wanted, to cover the area and not have to spend nights away from my young family. I was blessed to have a Beach Sierra, a plane perfect for the job. In preparation for this trip from central Indiana, I was informed of a huge storm system extending from southern Indiana all the way into north Georgia. Air traffic control said the only way to reach my destination by air was to go south to Memphis, Tennessee, and then east to Gainesville. I was reluctant to take this large detour, but what other options were there? The good news is was that the flight to Gainesville normally took less than three and a half hours, and I had six hours of fuel on board, so there should be plenty of fuel. People typically ask me when I arrived at various destinations how my flight was. My answer almost always was uneventful. That's what every pilot wants, and this flight was progressing normally. As I approached Georgia, however, my fuel was running low. It had been a long flight, and the winds were against me more than I anticipated. Below me was an airport where I could land to refuel, but that would add even more delay to my already long flight. Not wanting to risk missing the meeting, I made the unwise decision to push forward. I ran fuel calculations in my head, deciding that I had enough to make the Gainesville Airport with some to spare. There are, of course, specific rules about how much fuel reserve is required for safe operation. I would be cutting into the reserve, but there should still be a little fuel left after landing. When I arrived over the Gainesville Airport, I was directed to circle around so I could approach from the east and descend through the clouds when my instruments gave the signal. But my instruments did not give the signal. I reported this to ATC, Air Traffic Control, and they gave me the directions to come around again for another try. Of course, this took an additional 12 minutes. I followed the directions, but again, my instruments did not give the signal to begin descent. At this point, ATC directed me south to another airport with only scattered clouds, allowing visual flight rules rather than instrument flight rules. But that would take more fuel, fuel I did not have. Desperate to see the airport through the clouds below me, I could get an occasional glimpse of the ground. I saw nothing but houses and retail buildings everywhere. Did I want to try to land on one of those tiny streets with parked cars and moving traffic? Suddenly the engine coughed and quit. I was out of gas. I would quickly declare an emergency to ATC. They connected me to another person. It dawned on me that I could switch to the fuel tank in another wing. So 
I flipped the switch and the engine immediately came to life. I nearly laughed out loud, but then you, I looked at the other gauge and it showed empty as well. The controller said, do you want to cancel this emergency? No, I said, I need to get down quickly. Then turn to a heading of 170 degrees and descend to 1,500 feet. I turned and began descending. Within five minutes, I thought I thought a glimpse of runway. Okay, please let it be. It was. After safely landing, I refueled the plane. Calculating the amount to completely refuel, I realized that I had landed with only about six minutes of fuel left in the tank. Was this a close call? Yes. Was I thankful that I could declare an emergency with air traffic control and receive one-on-one radar direction to save my life and potentially others on the ground? Yes. Was it necessary? No. Did I learn from this? Yes, many things. I made an unwise decision when I did not stop to refuel. What unwise decisions do people make today? What makes their life difficult, filling them with feelings of uncertainty? One of the most common causes of making life difficult is borrowing. Borrowing many times causes stress. But there's great news. There's hope and there's a plan. Not only is there a plan, it's a proven plan. Found in the Bible, the word of the Almighty God. This plan provides more than hope for your life. It provides direction and even peace beyond understanding. Please join me in a journey through the lives of many individuals and many families. As they share their predicaments, we will discuss what went wrong and the steps they have taken and can take to make it right. We will also reveal how to find the peace in life we all want. So what do we do when life gets in the way? When children come unexpectedly, when vehicles break down at inappropriate times, when borrowing seems the only solution? Well, let's look at Marcy with a high-interest car loan. Marcy's married. She has two children at home and one in college. She also is about to graduate with her own college degree. Unemployed for more than a year and with a husband who works but is partially disabled from an accident, their finances are a mess and so are their credit scores. So, but Marcy came to me for financial coaching. She says, we're drowning in debt. Is it possible just to wipe it out somehow? Before I could respond, she continued, we also need to figure out how to handle payments on a van we just bought. It's five years old, and it seemed like a good deal for $15,000. The salesman arranged a temporary loan that we could refinance at a lower rate. He said our payment would then be only 170 a month. But when we sat down with the banker, he apologized and said our payment would be $310. We're stuck. We have to have a reliable vehicle, but we cannot possibly make that kind of a payment. With all of our other debts, we need help. What can we do? Marcy and her husband are doing their best to be good Christians, but with job problems, college costs, and everything else, they're in a real fix. What can they do to work their way out of this? Can we, using God's Word, help them? So Marcy and her husband have serious issues. Let's examine this more closely. Number one, she knew they had low credit scores, but she may have not understood the implications. Sometimes people think they might actually qualify for a low rate, low rate because they need a low, low rate. Unfortunately, it doesn't work this way. She should have expected a high interest rate because of the greater risk for the lender. It's not surprising the salesman would suggest a payment of around 170 to entice them into the sale. That's how he makes his living. Someone with a credit score of 750 might get this kind of rate, but not Marcy and her husband. Unfortunately, Marcy wanted the van so badly, she was not thinking straight. She allowed her emotions to carry the day when the salesman said their payment would only be about 170 Marcy needed some godly counsel. 
Ideally, she would have obtained it before she visited a car dealer. And by the way, anyone ever, anyone else ever done this? <laughs> but it's it's really easy to fall into. But then, if she would, if she had visited, if she had gotten advice before she visited a car dealer, then armed with proper information, she could have made a wise decision. Regarding the choice of a vehicle, good counsel in 2019 would have been encouraged them to find something reliable for $6,000, less than half of the price of the one they chose. It might not have looked as good, but at this point they simply could not afford to drive something that looked like new. Moving to a second issue, what about the debt she, she says she wants to wipe out? What about this? It is an appealing thought. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want it? But God's perspective on the matter makes us realize that if we do not honor our commitments, someone ends up losing. Real people, not just faceless corporations, get hit with losses because you or I didn't keep our promises. When you or I use a credit card to buy something, we're promising that we will pay for it and that, and that we will satisfy the debt that we have incurred with real dollars according to the agreement. Taking the goods and not paying for them has the same effect as stealing. So Marcy is a bind. Is in a bind. She simply cannot make these payments. What should she do? Well, number one, Marcy needs a reliable vehicle, but she cannot afford the one she just purchased. If she and her husband truly cannot afford it, they need to sell it, even at a loss, and get one at half the cost and half the monthly payment. Next, they need to go to each of their other creditors and negotiate a monthly payment that is realistic for them. They need to sit down and figure out a budget of what they can afford because they have to send each uh, each creditor something so they decide what they can afford and they and they work with their creditor. Being proactive and transparent does work with most creditors. They know that we have the option of bankruptcy and they will receive nothing if that option is taken. Therefore, most are willing to work with whatever reasonable terms they can get as long as they truly believe they will receive the total principal due eventually. This then enables us to negotiate a lower than normal normal interest rate and or a reduction in fees. When Marcy follows this plan with her new degree and a good job, she and her husband will eventually pay off their debts, improving their credit scores and the outlook for the future. The point is, we should run to our creditors, not away from them. There's one other point. Because we are Christians, therefore we know God loves us. And he, we know He has a plan for us. Now, sometimes we deviate from that plan, but He has a plan for us. And so, if we seek His will for our life, then He'll direct us to the right plan. Therefore, we should never lose hope. God will always be with us, and he will always help us work it out. Anyone here ever been in Marcy's situation? If you were in Marcy's situation, what would you do? If you ran to your creditors rather than away from them, what do you think might happen? Remember, God has a plan for your life, a good plan. We just, you and I just need to find it. And then follow it. Talk to you next week. I'm David G. Toussaint, www.troubledfinances.com.